Good morning. Good morning. How are we? So if we haven't had the pleasure of meeting, my name is J.D. Getman. My wife, uh, Katie, and I and our three daughters have been attending Northlands for about six years now. Um, it's truly a joy and a privilege for us to uh, just be a part of this church body. Nicole Northlands, our church home. Um, when Greg reached out and asked me about potentially preaching this Sunday, uh, my first reaction, surprisingly, was absolutely. Uh, followed quickly after we hung up to what in the world were you thinking, saying absolutely. <laughs> so I did what uh, any smart husband would do, and I asked my wife, babe, <laughs> said yes to Greg. What should I talk about, right? And she's, her response was, well, what do you think the Lord wants you to talk about? It's a great response, which is why I asked her. So I sat with the Lord and asked him what was on his heart this morning. And I felt like he led me to John 1, first chapter of John, where he calls the first two disciples. And this is what it says, starting in verse uh, 35. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples, and he looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned, saw them following, and said to them, What? Are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, meaning teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come, and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day, for it was about the tenth hour. What are you seeking? That question really, really hit me. When I when I was reading this passage, just felt like it's one of those times where the words just leapt off the page. Right, where Jesus himself was asking me directly, John David, well, that would be my mom, JD, <laughs> what are you seeking? And that's the question he asked all of us today. What, church, are you seeking? And it's just like Jesus, right? He knows we're all seeking something. We all want something. We're, we're all looking for something to be full. So take a few seconds. And ask yourself, what are you seeking in this life? There's countless things we could be seeking. A lot of things might have jumped into your mind. Could be money, career change, promotion, dream vacation. Could be a six pack, the beverage or the abdominal muscles. <laughs> could be a dream car or just rest. You know, you pick it. The question is, for us, for you, and for me this morning, is in all you're seeking, have you found what you're looking for? In fact, do you even really know what you're looking for? So scripture, not surprisingly, has a lot to say about seeking. Um, there's a ton of verses, I just picked a few. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. You have said, seek my face. My heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. From there, you will seek the Lord your God, and you will find him, if you search after him with all your heart and with all your soul. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives, and the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. 
But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. And finally, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his presence continually. So the scriptures, they point to only one thing worthy of our pursuit. The scriptures, in fact, point to whom we are to pursue. And I would think most of us in this room or in church, after all, would say, yeah, I'm seeking the Lord. And I think for most of my life, I probably would have too. You know, I went to church, memorized some scripture. I didn't cuss often. I tithed. I tried to spend time with the Lord. But I think what I realized in all of this doing was that what I was really seeking was outward cleanliness, to feel like I was living a good life, to do what a Christian guy raised in a Christian home should be doing. I think in reality, I knew a lot about Jesus, but didn't really have an intimate relationship with him. I knew a lot of facts and knowledge and how to answer the question, but I didn't really have the experience, right? And so to me, what I was seeking is really religion, not relationship. So Webster defines religion as this, a personalized set or institutionalized system of religious beliefs, attitudes, and practices. So I view religion in this context as you have the systems and practices of faith, the external, without the associated internal, the heart piece of it, right? Intimacy with, the lack of intimacy with Jesus. Essentially the head knowledge of things about him without the experience of him. John Piper, in his book, God That Is the Gospel, asked this fantastic question and says this. The critical question for our generation and for every generation is this. If you could have heaven with no sickness and with all the friends you ever had on earth and all the food you ever liked and all the leisure activities you ever enjoyed, and all the natural beauties you ever saw, all the physical pleasures you ever tasted, no human conflict or any natural disasters, could you be satisfied with heaven if Christ was not there? Basically, he's saying if you can get everything that heaven is and what heaven has without Jesus, would you be okay with that? And I think if I'm honest with myself, there's certainly been times in my life where I'd say, yeah, I think I would be okay with that. And I think religion would say the same thing. Would I be okay with heaven without Jesus? Yeah. But for a relationship? No way. For a relationship, a heaven without Jesus would be no heaven at all. So Francis Chan in his book frames up love, seeking relationship really well. Um, He says this, when you're truly in love, you will go to great lengths to be with the one you love. You will drive hours to be together, even if it's for a short while. You don't mind staying up late to talk? Walking in the rain is romantic, not annoying. (laughs) Don't know about that one. You're willing to spend a small fortune on the one you're crazy about. And when you're apart, it's painful. 
They're all you think about. You jump at the chance to get together. Um, and I can relate to this. When Katie and I were in college and we had just started dating, we had maybe been dating a month or two, um, and she went on a study abroad trip uh, to Europe. So she's going to be gone, you know, the whole summer. Um, and I knew going from spending every day together, talking all the time, to being apart across the world from each other for months was going to be difficult. So I bought some calling cards. Anybody that's over 40 like me knows what those are. Um, so I, I bought, bought the calling cards so that we could stay in touch. So we'd have these conversations. We'd email. There was an email back then. We would have, we'd email each other. Hey, when can you talk? So you got the time change and all that too. Um, so inevitably, inevitably, we'd be having conversations. The calling card would be going, and it gives you these little warnings like 30 minutes left or 10 minutes left. I'm not really... I'm, engaged with, with my woman, you know? Um, so I don't really pay attention to those. And so inevitably, mid-sentence, you know, calling card's done, it's expired, minutes are used, and it's just silence, right, on the other end of the phone. So uh, I did the only thing I really knew how to do and went and grabbed the landline, called Italy. Not inexpensive, come to find out. Um, so we'd finish, we'd have our conversation. It always took longer than I thought it would because we were in love. Um, that's right. And, the, re and the, result, the result of this, right, is that after those couple months, not only I'd spent all this money on the calling cards, I get a phone bill. Actually, my roommate calls up. John David, yes, got a phone bill for $600. Interesting. But I didn't care. Right? I would have spent twice that to be able to spend that time with her on the phone. I didn't care how much it cost because I was seeking her. I loved her. I wanted to have a relationship with her. So let me ask you again. What are you seeking? What would you go to great lengths for? Drive hours for? Walk in the rain and not be annoyed for? <laughs> Don't mind staying up late for. What is it that if you're apart from it, it would be painful? It's maybe difficult to be honest about. Oftentimes we seek for things that can only be found in Jesus, but we will reach for something else. I am seeking comfort, so I reach for a large bank account. I am seeking the removal of stress, so I reach for Netflix and a drink. I am seeking acceptance, so I reach for likes and follows on social media. I am seeking rest, so I reach for a vacation. I am seeking identity and purpose, so I reach for what culture says is accepted and, and okay. So these things that we reach for, right, they aren't inherently bad. I'm not anti-culture. I want to be culturally aware just not culturally dependent. And there's a difference. At the end of the day, we will all realize that these things that we reach for outside of Jesus will still leave us wanting more. I am the way, the truth, and the life, is what he says. He is the only solution. So we can consume these other things and they will temporarily provide satisfaction. 
but we'll end up right, right back where we started. So uh, Gallup did a study on church attendance not too long ago. Um, the chart should come up on the screen. Um, essentially what it found was ever since around 2020 or so, or excuse me, 20, uh, 2000s, uh, church attendance has been on a steady decline. You can see that up there. The majority of that decline is concentrated in the early age groups, late teens, early 20s, early 30s. Question is, why? Why is church attendance on the decline? I don't think it's because people encountered Jesus. I mean, think about it, right? If you went to church and you encountered someone who was perfectly loving, a true friend, was always available, never stabbed you in the back, never lied, loved to give gifts, and whenever you were with them, when you left, you were full of joy and peace and wisdom. Would you leave? I wouldn't. So if they didn't find Jesus in the church, what did they find? I think one of the primary possibilities is they found religion, not relationship. So Jesus says in John 5, you search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, when in fact it is they that bear witness about me. Jesus is basically saying that he is greater than the knowledge of him. John encountered Jesus and wrote about what he saw and what he experienced. So if you want to understand what the authors of the Bible wrote about, you must discover whom they found. And there's a place for knowledge, absolutely. But knowledge alone can't transform us. It is solely in his presence that we are transformed and made new. So, how do we get to know our Heavenly Father? How do we cultivate a relationship with Jesus? In uh, Luke 10, the story of Mary and Martha, starting in verse 38, it says, as Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed, only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. So we can learn a lot from Mary. Clearly, there was things to be doing, right? But Mary was solely focused on sitting and being with Jesus in spite of those things. It's like the phrase you may have heard, I couldn't tell you where it originated from, but it says, we are human beings, not human doings. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. The scripture says, be still and know that I am God. And we can glean from this wisdom. There's something about being still and just resting that helps us connect and be with our Heavenly Father. And there's a bunch of different ways you could sit at Jesus' feet and be still. Could read, meditate on scripture, 
listen to worship music, sing songs to him, journal to him, just have a conversation. There's no formula. He created each one of us uniquely, and our relationship with him is unique. Mine will be different from yours and vice versa. So find what works best for you. Think of a time when you felt connected to Jesus, like really connected. What provoked that encounter? Where were you? Were you at home? Were you somewhere else? Was it quiet? Was there music playing? And if you can't remember a time like that, it's fine. Just try and see what works for you. Whatever's easiest. There's no preference. The Lord just wants to spend time with you. The goal is to get out of the hamster wheel in our head and into the heart where he can meet us, where we can hear that still, small voice. And these methods, the scripture reading, journaling, soaking, worship music, all help us just hear that gentle whisper in our spirit. And that whisper is always patiently and compassionately waiting for us. Um, Y'all seen The Chosen? The show, yeah? Uh, So Mary Magdalene in the first season has this um, quote that I love. The backdrop is, if you haven't seen it, as she, Mary had demon possession. So Jesus met with her and healed her. So Nicodemus sees he had seen her in her demon-possessed state. He's now speaking to her, seeing that she's been healed, and he asks her, who did this? What happened? And her response is just phenomenal. Here is what I can tell you, she says. I was one way, and now I'm completely different. And the thing that happened in between was him. So simple and so profound. And that's someone who's experienced Jesus. And that's the amazing thing about seeking the Lord and his grace. His grace, it meets us where we are, but it never leaves us where it found us. So keep meeting with him, and you will discover that he will faithfully meet with you each time. So, as we start to kind of wrap up, I would love for us to practice seeking the Lord together as a church. We get to know the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit through seeking his presence, his voice, and his ways. And that's all seeking his face really is. And when we experience him, we can describe him, just like we could any other person that we're in a relationship with. Um, So when my wife Katie and I have sought him together, one thing that we found helpful just to tune our ears and our hearts to what the Lord is saying is just to read some scripture together. So I thought we would start with that as a congregation this morning. Here's, uh, here's how it'll work. I'm gonna read a blessing over us. Um, this blessing is made up of scriptural truths, things that Jesus says about you and about me and how he feels about us. And I'm gonna read them as if the Father is reading over us, his sons and daughters. So I encourage you, as I'm reading, just relax. Let the, let the word do the work. This is where the bride and the bridegroom come together. So close your eyes if you'd like. Open your heart to receive his word. This isn't something you think about or figure it out. You just receive. The word is mighty and active and living. It will produce a new fruit. Your role is just to receive. 
And when I'm finished reading, we're going to play some instrumental music and give you a chance just to sit in your chair with the Lord, just you and him. If you sense the Lord, as I'm reading through the scriptures, maybe emphasizing a passage or something um, in the scripture, take note of that. That's a gentle nudge from the Lord that he may want to talk more with you about that piece. And then when you have this time, during the instrumental time, ask the Lord about that. Lord, why'd you highlight that to me? Why is that important? Is there something else you want me to know about that? The Lord loves questions. And if nothing kind of pops out on the scriptures that I'm reading, that's fine. Ask him whatever's on your heart. Just talk to him like a son or daughter would talk to their father. And then we'll end with a song where you can continue seeking him in the spirit. Does that make sense? All right, here we go. The scriptures will be up on the screen, so follow along if you like. There's quite a few, so just relax and receive. You may not know me, but I know everything about you. I know when you sit down and when you rise up. I am familiar with all of your ways. Even the very hairs on your head are numbered. For you were made in my image. In me you live and move and have your being. For you are my offspring. I knew you even before you were conceived. I chose you when I planned creation. You were not a mistake, for all your days are written in my book. I determined the exact time of your birth and where you would live. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I knit you together in your mother's womb and brought you forth on the day you were born. I have been misrepresented by those who do not know me. I am not distant and angry, but am the complete expression of love. And it is my desire to lavish my love on you. Simply because I am your child, you are my child, and I am your father. I offer you more than your earthly father ever could, for I am the perfect father. Every good gift that you receive comes from my hand, for I am your provider and meet all your needs. My plan for your future has always been filled with hope because I love you with an everlasting love. My thoughts towards you are countless as the sand on the seashore. And I rejoice over you with singing. I will never stop doing good to you for you are my treasured possession. I desire to establish you with all my heart and with all my soul. And I want to show you great 
and marvelous things. If you seek me with all your heart, you will find me. Delight in me, and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. I am able to do more for you than you could possibly imagine. For I am your greatest encourager. I am also the Father who comforts you in all your troubles. When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. As a shepherd carries a lamb, I have carried you close to my heart. One day, I will wipe away every tear from your eye, and I'll take away all the pain you've ever suffered on this earth. I am your father, and I love you, even as I love my son, Jesus. For in Jesus, my love for you is revealed. He is the exact representation of my being. He came to demonstrate that I am for you and not against you, and to tell you that I am not counting your sins. Jesus died so that you and I could be reconciled. His death was the ultimate expression of my love for you. I gave up everything I loved that I might gain your love. If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. And nothing will ever separate you from my love again. Come home, and I'll throw the biggest party heaven's ever seen. I have always been father, and will always be father. My question is, will you be my child? I'm waiting for you.